Well, it is my privilege to be with you today. My name is Alfred Turley. I am our Chatsworth campus pastor, and it is my privilege again to welcome all our campuses from our online campus to Chatsworth, Calhoun, Ringgold, Hickson, Cleveland, Dalton. Excited to be with you today as we continue in our Back to the Basics series. And uh, this is part three. Matt kicked it off a couple of weeks ago talking about truth. And then last week we were talking about Jesus being our treasure And then I've got a message for us tonight, another foundational thing for, excuse me, today. But um, next week, Matt will be back with us, and uh, he's going to kick it, end it up with an awesome message that I hope you will make. So I want to get into this right now. You see, we're in a season, well, not just a season, but there is a season right now where I mean, we're all so stressed. There's so much anxiety. There's so much fear. So many things going on. None of us have seen a year like this. I think that's pretty, pretty easy to say. And, um, but one of the things that is just, especially as we're approaching the election, you know, there's so much pressure about voting and decisions and things like that. And I, I want to just go to this because we all have this, we have decisions. Every single day we get up and we make Decisions. We make lots of decisions. We make them over and over and over and over. Our entire day in many ways is filled with decisions. But we recognize that some of these decisions actually really have some weight and gravity to them. I mean, the decision of who we're going to maybe spend the rest of our life with, who we're going to marry, or what we do with school and after school, and what career we choose, where we, where we choose to go to work. We make these decisions all the time, and we recognize that they actually carry a lot of weight and impact in our life. And a lot of times when we're talking to people, they're just always, I'm just trying to make a decision. I need God to show me what to do, or I'm just trying, I'm asking for guidance. And here's the thing, I just honestly think it's probably one of the most stressful areas of our lives is decisions. And then, of course, we've been thrown into all this stuff with COVID, and everybody's trying to make decisions in, with, with, in, a, in an uncertain environment, and the stress level is just off the charts. And my question, though, in this whole area of decision, is this what Jesus wants for us? Is this, is this I mean, normal is probably the wrong term in, in this season, but is this what Jesus wants for us? Well, I want to go to the book of Matthew, and we'll be in Matthew a lot. But I want to go to chapter 11 and start in verse 28 and just give you a passage that, that I, I think it frames up a lot for us. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, and this is Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is is easy and my burden is light. I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, yoke is the burden we're carrying. You know, it's the responsibility. It's the load we feel on our life. Now, I don't know about you. This sounds pretty nice. I mean, I think if we signed up for this and said, you know, you're going to get a five-week class guaranteed to experience this, you'd all be like, okay, sign me up for that one. You know, I want this. This sounds awesome. But is it that easy? And how do we get there? What's holding us back? Well, I think we need to start with actually, you know, as we're in the basics of what it means to be a Christ follower, a Christian, 
to believe in Jesus, let's talk about what's the very first thing Jesus asked people to do. Because obviously that must be a basic step. So let's go. I want to go to Matthew 9 in a story of Jesus recruiting one of his disciples. Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, sitting in his workplace. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Matthew, the tax collector, walked off his job. Walked off his job. Quit right then and there. Now then, in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus is on the shore. He's interacting with some fishermen. And, and he tells them, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. The story is, James and John specifically, and, and Peter, and I think Andrew might have been there too, but they immediately leave their nets. They leave James and John's father standing there, and they go with Jesus. You see, Jesus, when he gave people that foundational step, what's the first step? Jesus said, follow me. Now, a lot of times when we're talking about being a Christian or a Christ follower, we talk about praying a prayer and making Jesus our Lord and a commitment and all that. But sometimes I think we get the confused, we get confused because Jesus said, follow me. And people got up and they laid everything down and they went after him, not knowing where he was going. And that's pretty key. But disciples of Jesus Follow him and obey his commands. And they obey him. And this is foundational stuff. And this is kind of our our basic thing. Disciples follow and they obey. You see, let 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 me say this. We say all the time, is Jesus your Lord? I mean, I think everybody's heard that. Have you made Jesus your Lord? You know, is Jesus your Lord and Savior and all this? Jesus is your Lord. Well, I remember all of a sudden, I remember my own story of when I was 20 years old. I remember Jesus made it very clear, Alfred, you're in the driver's seat. I'm not Lord of your life. You're making the decisions. You see, I think most of us, especially when we're beginning this, we may treat Jesus like a friend. And a friend, I've got lots of friends, and my friends love to give me advice. Do your friends love to give you advice? But here's the thing about friends and their advice. Don't you ignore it a lot of the time? You sure do. You're like, I appreciate that. Ah, that's good advice. Yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to do that. Um, you, you really, we just get to ignore friends' advice. But listen, lordship's a complete different, completely different. He's not your lord if we don't do what he says. It's really that simple. He's not your king, your Lord, if we don't do what he says. And you can't have it a different way. He's not Lord if you don't do what he says. Disciples who want, if we want what he has for us, if you want that light and easy burden, we got to go to the definition of what he means when he says, follow me. And it means to obey his commands. I would submit to you right now, though, that when it comes to following, here's, here's where I am feeling so many people struggling just to follow, and there's so much confusion, but here's what I think happens. Our biggest task is to reject the wrong voices and amplify the right voices. I think right now, we are, and, and I'll, I'll just tell you, 
We are in more of a critical season in our nation, in our world, in our lives than most of us have ever known. And I will tell you right now a couple of things. You have got to dial out the negative voices. And we're going to talk about this. You've got you to turn that down and silence the wrong ones and amplify the right ones. And honestly, your life depends on it. And I'm not kidding and I'm not exaggerating. So that's the biggest task, rejecting the wrong voices and amplifying the right voices. Now we're going to go into another passage in the book of Matthew. And this is what happens. So Jesus is about to send, he's sending out his 12 disciples kind of on their first mission trip without him. He's sending them out in pairs and he's sending them out and he's giving them instructions on what to do and how to minister. And then he kind of interrupts his instructions and gives them kind of a paragraph that seems to indicate what it looks like when they encounter people, what it's going to look like when they encounter people that seem to get it, that seem to like really want to follow and really understand this Jesus thing. So he, he's going to go into this. We'll get into Matthew 10. I'm going to read the whole passage and then we'll break it down. So Matthew 10, 32 through 39. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. That's a big deal. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Now, I don't know about you. This is hard stuff. But I think you can, we're going to process this. And I think you're going to see there's good stuff in here. See, Jesus oftentimes used extreme language and shock tactics to agree to just get people to listen. And I mean, this is some tough stuff here. But listen, we can process this. So, so we're going to get into this because this, I think this is really, really key. You see, I want you to understand something when it comes to all this. Whoever's approval you are seeking controls your destiny whoever's approval you are seeking controls your destiny that's why we have to pay attention to the voices so the biggest task for us again reject the wrong voices and amplify the right voices so let's go back to the first one Every, therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Now see, we've been having a lot of baptisms lately. And I'm pumped about that. That's exciting. Jesus commanded baptism. And I want to say this to you. You see, not going public with our faith is a salvation issue. I mean, he's saying right here, if we won't acknowledge Jesus before others, 
We're not acknowledged before heaven. I would submit to you, if we won't take the step of obedience, of baptism, if we won't go public with our faith, it's a salvation issue. And this is really, I know this is a little more tough right now because people sometimes are like, yeah, but my family's going to be really unhappy. Or I've got friends and they're going to be really unhappy. And if I tell them I'm starting to get, you know, get into this Jesus stuff. And you know what? I know, but you have to. He commanded it. Honestly, he's trying to set you free. Do you want that light and easy burden thing he was talking about? Jesus is only trying to bring us to freedom. But if we won't go public, we have a very real problem. But followers reject the voice of culture and peer pressure and amplify the voice of their king. Culture and peer pressure. Social media, all the stuff around us right now, we've got to reject this voice. I mean, it's out there. We're going to listen. We've got, I mean, it's, I'm not saying get out of it completely unless you feel like you're supposed to. But we got we got to stop listening to these voices and instead amplify the voice of our king, King Jesus. Now, I want to go to something, a special picture. And this is our Rockbridge discipleship path. Now, we, we made this actually a few months ago. These are honestly all things we've talked about at Robridge for years, and this has been in our hearts. But we thought, let's just make a picture. And then once we've done, we've, we've had a lot of people say, hey, that really helps. So I want to go through this real quick. Um, I'm going to go with just this first section on loving God. You see, we say a disciple at Robridge is one who follows Jesus, loving God, loving others, and living sin. Here you go. Love God, love others, and live sin. Now, even though it's not necessarily linear, we're saying somebody comes to the church, comes to Rockbridge, or comes and begins pursuing God, and they begin to a degree moving in a level of involvement in this way. And our hope is that eventually you bring somebody with you. You complete the circle by bringing others with you. But this, this part of loving God, you see, this is amplifying the voice of our king. You cannot underestimate the power of God's word in your life. God's word is powerful. It is our foundation. And it destroys the lies that the enemy is bringing into our lives. And it destroys the chains that hold us. It sets us free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Weekly worship is about coming and, and seeing things from God's perspective and, and being appreciative and thankful for what God has done when we worship him. And then we've got time with God, which means we're soaking in God's word and we're praying and we're communing with God. We're building that foundational relationship where we can learn to hear him and hear what he's saying to us individually and specifically as we pray. And baptism, obviously, again, that's a foundational step of us going public with our relationship with Jesus and giving. Honestly, people just don't like to talk about giving, but here's the thing. You know you're moving forward in surrender to God when you give him say in your finances. Man, every time when you start giving, you know you have begun to surrender truthfully to God. That's a major area of control we have trouble giving up. But this is all designed for us to amplify the voice of the king. Silence the voices of peer pressure and culture and amplify the voice of our king. And it's so key for us. Let's keep going. Verse 34. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. This is, I mean, this is not fun language, but I need you to understand something. We are a world at war. We have a real enemy. His name is Satan, and there are hordes and hordes of evil spiritual forces straight out of Ephesians 6. If you ever want to look, go to Ephesians 6 and see that we struggle not, not against flesh and blood, but against all these evil demonic forces in the heavenly realms and principalities and powers. Our enemy is not of the people, except that they're being used by these, you know, forces. We've got an enemy, and I need you to understand this. There can be no peace until King Jesus reigns. King Jesus brings peace. In his kingdom, there can be peace. But outside his kingdom, there can be no peace. And he's not coming to bring peace. He's coming to bring the truth to set you free so that you can experience the peace. And the truth is his sword. He said, I came to bring a sword. He's coming to bring a sword to cut the cancer out of your heart. To cut the chain of whatever it is that's on your life. He's coming to set you free. He doesn't want to make peace with that thing in your life that's destroying you. Peace in that sense isn't peace, it's compromise. Jesus is not going to let you settle in compromise. He's coming against it. And here's the thing about this. We may have family members. And he's just saying your closest relationships may be some of the ones that are pushing you in the wrong direction. And you just need to understand that that's okay. Because I'm going to move you to a place of victory and peace. And they may not like it. And guess what? You just have to stand with it. They're going to be your adversary. But that's okay. Because you're going to pray for them and you're going to love them. And they may come to know him too. But they may be your enemies for a season. And that's okay. You see, followers reject people-pleasing that encourages compromise. And instead, they amplify relationships that help them follow Jesus. Now, let me go back to our discipleship path. Love others. Ministry teams and small groups here at Rockbridge. You know, we've got lots of different group options. We've been talking about that for weeks. I want to make this so clear because here's something. You know how you've got friends and, and they come to you and they ask you for advice. And you know how easy it is to see how dumb they're being. And how easy it is to say, I don't think that's a good decision. Or I think that's a good, hey, man, I think you were doing a great, I think that's a great decision. You see, when we don't have a dog in the fight, is my phrase from around here. When I don't have a dog in the fight, it's so much easier for me to give great advice to someone. Because I, I don't care if they take, I mean, I love them. I'm, I'm going to give them my advice. But I don't have an emotional cost to whether or not they do it or not. You see, here's what we need the church in our life, we need people standing around us helping us because I go stupid. I go stupid. I do it. And my wife and my friends and people will say, hey, man, love you. You're going stupid. 
you know, you really, you're going off. Hey, no, that's not what happened. I can't tell you how many times my wife has said, Alfred, that's not what they said. You're misreading this. Alfred, read the email again. That's not what they said. You know, and she doesn't have a dog in the fight, and she helps me. But we need small groups and teams coming alongside us. And I can't tell you how many times my small groups, the ones I've been involved in, sat across from me and said, you're just not seeing this straight. You're not seeing this straight. That's not, you're not, you're wrong. And they loved me. And that's why we need that. We amplify the relational voices that help us follow King Jesus. So let's go to the next verse. The one who loves a father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. This is tough. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now that's hard, but I want to explain this. You see, God says in his word... It's my kindness that leads you to repentance. And it says, you love, we love because we have first been loved. You see, what this is about is that you know you have not received Jesus and begun following him until you receive his love. You see, you've got to forgive yourself for whatever you've done. And you've got to begin loving yourself because God loves you. God took it away on the cross. He took everything. He took all your failings, and you're going to keep making some failings. There's going to be some more messes, trust me. And you've got to begin to believe that you are a loved child of God. And when you begin to do that, you're going to begin to love him more than your father or mother or even your children. Because you're going to go, I'm so grateful for how you've loved me and how you've saved me and how you've forgiven me. You see, the reason this is a, is a salvation issue is you can't, you can't really follow him unless you begin to receive his love. And you need to receive it. And this is an indication that you are moving in to that love when you love him more than these other relationships. And this takes time. But Jesus is showing an indication right here of real affection and real appreciation. When we begin to see what he did for us, he saved us. Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And anyone who finds his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. See, the cross is really, this is difficult language for them. You see, they didn't know what it meant when he said he was going to the cross. They didn't understand this. The cross was like the electric chair or going to the gas chamber. And all they knew is it's a symbol of incredible humiliation and incredible embarrassment and shame and torture. That if you, if you were on the cross, you did something really, really bad. So Jesus using this language is one of humiliation and shame and sacrifice. And he's telling his disciples, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. You've got to be willing to pick up your cross every day and come and follow me. You see, here's what's happening here. Outcomes in our life have to be surrendered. You see, when he says this, if you find your life, you'll lose it. If you've got a 12-step plan for your life and how your retirement's going to work out and you've got it all mapped out and all this stuff, guess what? You found your life. And in all honesty, you're keeping it from Jesus and, some, and, and you're going to lose the eternal rewards, the eternal life that he wants to have for you. 
When we get control of our life, we lose the life he wants for us. But when we begin to lose our life and surrender it and say, Jesus, guess what? I don't know what tomorrow has, and guess what? Tomorrow's yours. You just show me what the next step is. You show me the way. I'm following you, King Jesus. When you begin to just follow him and lose the life and say, I don't know where I'm going to college, Lord, but when you tell me, you let me, when you're ready to let me know, you let me know. I don't know who I'm going to marry, Lord, but you tell me when it's time. I don't know where I'm going to go to work, but Lord, I'm going to follow you. And wherever you go, I'm going. When we are, and, and when we are ready to go wherever he wants us, no matter what the path, this is when we find life. This is when we find it. See, followers reject the temporary for the sake of the eternal. Jesus gave us a mission. He gave us an eternal mission. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We've got to make disciples who make disciples. We've got a disciple. We've got to teach him to follow him. They can't just be converts. We can't just dunk them and go. I mean, it's not, it doesn't work that way. We've got to teach people to follow him. The dunking's the first step, but we've got to follow and obey. Because we want them to get the eternal, not the temporary. We've got to give him control. He gave us an eternal mission, and it's time. Listen, we have made, you know, right now our country is in a mess. We know that. Our country's in a mess. And guess what? Especially as we get through this election, guess who gets the responsibility for cleaning it up? The church. Because the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B, and that's never changed. And all this division, and all this hate, and all this fear, guess what, church? God's looking to us to clean it up and start the healing process. And as horrible as that sounds, guess what? We can, because Jesus can. You see, so often people are torn up and they're torqued up about, hey, this person over here believes this, or this person over here is believing this, or oh my gosh, they're a Republican, or oh my gosh, they're a Democrat, or oh my gosh, they're a Libertarian. I'm not even sure what the Libertarians believe. But I know this. Here's here's the thing. I just want to give you some peace here. Just get them following Jesus because he can sort it all out. And he will lead them exactly on the path of truth and revelation that they need. The truth that will set them free. Your job is not to make converts of Democrats or Republicans or get them to switch parties. Your job is to make disciples who follow their king. Now on our discipleship path, we talk about living sent. Living This mission of making disciples and recognizing that our Father, whose heart is breaking for the lost and for the separated from hope, the separated from Him, our Father's heart is breaking for Him. Will we own the mission of our Father's heart? Will you lay down your dreams of, I don't know, retirement to wherever? Will you lay down your dreams of that? Will you lay down your dreams of career advancement or whatever it is or wealth? 
Will you lay down your dreams and say, God, for the rest of my life, I will work to fill your house and that more children will come into your home because your heart is breaking for the lost. That is what living sin is. That is what this is right now. Compassion is that you're coming at this is our compassion sponsorships with Compassion International. We sponsor children who are in desperate poverty and we can make a difference. Mission trips, we go on mission trips because I'll tell you, you go to a third world country, you get a totally new definition of what your needs are. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. COVID has made this a tough year for mission trips, but we're going to be doing them again. Our hope ministries. If you haven't heard about all our hope initiatives and hope things going on here at Rockbridge, there's a lot. At every campus, we're doing stuff all the time because we know that we need to be out in the community doing selfless, good work so that people go, who are you crazy people? I don't even know you. And we go, guess what? We love Jesus. Would you like to meet Jesus? Would you like to come meet the king who can bring hope and peace into your life? Would you like to meet him? Because we'd like to let you meet him. And then build and bring. We just want to build relationships with our neighbors, our coworkers, our whatever, our family members. We want to build relationships with those who are far and separated from Christ, separated from hope, separated from joy, and bring them to Jesus, to church, to small group, to whatever, to, your, to, to a coffee shop where you're telling them about your hope and your story. We want to do this. Matt gave us the blessed strategy. We want to do this. This is living sin. This is us moving on the mission of the heart of our God. Now, I want to just, I want to say, we're doing something specifically next week. Next week, Matt is going to be presenting the gospel on, on our weekend services at all our, you know, at all our campuses. A very special gospel presentation. And we just want to ask you right now. Who's your one? Who's your one that you're praying for? That you're going to that you're praying about bringing? That you're praying about talking to? That you're praying to come to? And maybe you can't bring them, but maybe you can. And we want you to pray and pray for someone and try to bring them next week to hear a clear, awesome presentation of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Bring them. Live sent. Be a follower of Jesus, loving God, loving others, and living sin, and bring people to Jesus. You see, this changes everything when we follow him. He gave us an eternal mission, a great commission. You know, I really believe that we're actually in a spiritual season where God is calling the church. He's like, it, it's time for action. It's a call to action to those who want to follow Jesus. Honestly, it may be the greatest season we've ever known to, to see victory, to see people come to know Jesus, to see salvations. This could be the greatest harvest we've ever seen. But we've got to follow him. We've got to move to action. I want to give you some numbers real quick. These are some estimates of disconnected, not people that say they have no affiliation with any kind of church or religious institution. These are past 
or from the past, but these are good indications of the current state of lost, disconnected, de-churched, unchurched people who don't want any part of church. These are some good estimates of the lostness just in our communities, Rockbridge. Let me go by county. Gordon County, over 23,000. Murray County, over 26,000. Bradley County, 40,000 at least. Whitfield County, over 36,000. Hamilton County, over 134,000. Catoosa, over 45,000. You see, that is well over 300,000 lost and disconnected people who claim no affiliation with any church in our communities. that doesn't bother you we have a problem but church guess what God is God wins he wins he's gonna win and God loves his children and the, the word of God is powerful the truth sets people free and love bringing the truth in love to people is going to set them free. That sword of love is going to come in. It's going to cut the cancer out of people's lives. And we're going to see more people baptized, more people come to know Jesus, more followers, more disciples. Because that is what the heart of our Father is. And that's his mission for the church. And if 12 disciples following Jesus, a tax collector, a bunch of fishermen, if they could turn the world upside down, what can God do with Rockbridge? Will we follow the call to live sin? See, as we silence the voices of culture and people-pleasing and compromise, and we reject the temporary for the eternal mission of our king and choose to lay down our lives for his mission, following him day by day. No more agendas. His agenda is all that matters. You see, when we move to that, we experience this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus got up every day and said, Father, today I'm following you. Wherever you lead, wherever you say, no agenda, thy will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And he walked in a peace and a joy that he wants for us. I'll say this again. Who is your one? Let's bring him next week. Let's bring him to hear the gospel. Let's take up the mission of our Father. Let's love God, love others, and live sent. Would you pray with me now? Fathers, we come to you now, grateful for your love, grateful for Jesus. Lord, you are coming to set us free. Help us now, Lord. 
to reject the voices that would lead us astray and amplify the voice of our King. Let us today live wholeheartedly for you, laying down our lives, taking up our cross, and following you. In Jesus' name, amen.